It's good to be with you this morning after uh, really being gone all uh, summer uh, in my teaching responsibilities, then being back at the gathering, and then last Sunday I was at Grundy County. So it's, it's good to be back this morning. One of the things people ask is, Dave, how's your family? How are you? How are you doing? It's a good and a fair and an appropriate question, but it's a complicated answer. So let me say a couple things about that. Uh, we're standing firm together. We're loving each other. We're helping each other. And those of you who don't know, you know, we lost three family members in an accident uh, this summer. So we're very much in transition towards trying to find a new normal, and we're not finding it yet. We're, we do not have our new normal yet, um, but we know there will be one. Uh, Aaron and Kaya, uh, my daughter-in-law and granddaughter, are uh, still living with us some of the time. And Orchard's leadership, I wanted to tell you this, Orchard's board and the two other leaders I uh, uh, am responsible to, they've been really gracious with us as a family. They've let us, uh, let me uh, work when I can and be off when I need to. And uh, they've been the kind of a church board you would want your church to have. And so I just want to say that. We have a picture of Aaron and Kaya. Uh, I wanted to show this. I took this with my iPad on the first day of school. Isn't that a good picture? Uh, uh, Aaron's back to work full-time at Viridian uh, Credit Union, and they've been very gracious and kind. Akaya is back as a student at Orchard Hill Elementary uh, with her cousins, and they've been really good. Uh, Cedar Heights uh, School also, where Ben taught, uh, they've just been excellent. Uh, we figured out as a family, the world is full of some really good people, and uh, we're just grateful for that goodness. Uh, let me say a couple words about the gathering. Two weeks ago, our church gathered at the Gallagher Blue Dorn, and about 3,700 people showed up at the gathering. Uh, both, de- both, both overflowed, both services overflowed. But since then, 6,000 people across the nation have watched the video of that. And um, it's uh, pretty powerful. I get uh, cards and letters most every day about uh, the response people have had to it. Uh, it's been really strong feedback. It seems it was an ideal event for our mission, helping next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. It seems like a lot of people who were living in a broken world came in the gathering that day. I saw a lady at the bank the next week, and she said, my husband died 14 years ago, and I haven't been in church since that day, and uh, I'm going back to church. And I thought, praise God. Uh, The mother of the daughter who was killed at the Coralville Mall... Uh, by the security agent, remember that, in the summer? She and her whole extended family were at the gathering, and she came backstage, and there were no words, just a long hug. And I said, you know, God will be with both of us. So um, we're just finding that a lot of people live in broken worlds, and um, that event uh, seemed to help them. Now we're in this series. This is the second week of three weeks of teaching called Set Free. And uh, so I'm in the second week. Alice was here last week, and she taught uh, uh, that we are and ought to be, ought to live like, very free people as followers of Christ. In other words, the world, our neighborhood, ought to look at people who are followers of Christ and go, hey, those people are so free. We want some of that freedom. But that's not what they think when they think of the church. They think those people are bound up in rules and laws and stuff. But what the Bible declares is we ought to be free people. Alice said last week, we ought to understand that we're free from sin and shame and guilt and brokenness. And we're free from pleasing other people. 
We're just free. She camped on Galatians 5.1, which says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So the verse says, uh, Paul, oh, by the way, let me remind you, Paul was uh, the, uh, the rule follower of all rule followers. And he says, writes in Galatians, you must be free. Live in that freedom. Alex quoted a pastor that we both enjoy from Atlanta, a respected pastor, biblical pastor. He said this, if your version of Christianity is not making you feel more free, then you're doing it wrong. So think about that. As you follow Jesus, are you feeling more free? And if you're not, maybe there's something for you to understand and hear this morning. The gospel sets us free. I used to teach this in youth groups to teenagers all the time. It's like, here's a plastic Jesus, and here's a plastic you that you can see through. And in the plastic Jesus is this sparkling clear water. And in you, the mold of you up here, it's just murky old motor oil, just gunk. And what happened on the cross is Jesus took our gunk, and he dumped it into himself, and he took his sparkling water, and he dumped it into us. And that's why we're free. That's why we're free. Um, Alice, uh, I don't... uh, I don't have to wonder how God feels about me. I know now I have the righteousness of Christ. It's like, it's like as a husband, okay? Like I can focus on rules. I can focus on the rules and the laws like don't abuse your wife. Don't beat your kids. You know, don't let them go hungry. Or I can do something different, which is I need to be free to love them. Love them. Okay. Um, Kurt Vanderweel will be here next week. Let me say a word about what he's teaching about freedom. Um, He's teaching that we are completely right with God. The idea of our righteousness being poured into us, things are just fine between us and God. That's what he's teaching because of the cross. If I'm ever asking the question, how am God and I, how are God and I, it's the wrong question because God and you are fine. If you're a follower of Jesus, you and God are just fine. Then you can ask the question, how's my neighbor? How's my family member? Jesus died on a cross so that you and I can be right. And that kind of relationship is spelled D-O-N-E. Done. Religion is often spelled D-O. Do more. Do more to get God to love you. Do more to receive his love. Do more to be sure he notices you. No. A relationship with Jesus, which is why we're here this morning, spelled D-O-N-E. Done. So Paul, who wrote these words, Galatians 5, 1 to 15, Paul, who wrote the words, uh, he was the rule follower of all rule followers. In Philippians, he says this, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh in their doing, he says, I have more. This is Paul. He's looking at you and he's saying, hey, I was circumcised on the eighth day to the, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I followed it better than you did. I was a Pharisee, a stickler for the law. As far as zeal, I had more zeal than you do. Persecuting the church, killing Christians. As for righteousness based on the law, Paul says, I was faultless. And then here's what he says. But whatever that gained me, I now count it as garbage. Garbage. He says, all that doing to get God to love me, all that doing to follow the laws, and there were tons of them, Paul says, that's garbage. Now, in the cross, I can, not having a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ. 
So Paul is adamant in Galatians about what we're teaching. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, we have a slide, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Now you could put almost any law in there. Neither honoring the Sabbath nor not honoring the Sabbath. Neither trying to, uh, you know, whatever law you want. And then here's the sentence that I'm camping on today. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. The rule follower of all rule followers is saying, take your attention off the rules and put it on what really counts, which is faith expressing itself in love. And then Galatians 5.14, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. And I just want to point out, these aren't just the words of Paul. Jesus, when he was asked, hey, what's the top thing we should focus on? What's the top law? What's the top commandment? He said, it's really simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says, on these two commands, hang all the rest of the law. That's like the the husband thing. I don't have to worry about what the law says if I'm off loving my wife. I will do more than the law says. So let's not, as a church, let's not, as followers of Christ, put our attention on the dot and tittle of the law. Let's put it on love. So we're free. We're free to love. Now, I want to propose today a question that I would ask you to carry with you all week. And if you carry it with you one week, you might carry it with you two weeks. And if you carry it with it two weeks, you might carry it for a month, uh, a mom of teenagers... Last week, heard this teaching at the theater. She went home and she put the kit, the, her husband told me this. She put the, she made a banner and put this question on the, like, top of her kitchen cupboards. And this is a question you can carry with you every day. It's a question that can guide you at home, in your marriage, at work, in your neighborhood. It's a question that's easy to remember. And when I first started carrying this question with me about three months before our accident, uh, it really had some legs with me. It was a question that really helped me live my life for Christ. And uh, then the accident came and I didn't think about the question, but somebody came to me after the last service and said, you might not have thought about the question, but you've been living it. I wasn't aware of it. So here's the question. So simple. Four words. What does love require? What if that's the question we ask every day in each new venue we go in? What does love require? What does love require? Forget the laws, forget the rules, and simply say, what does love require? Um, The tricky part about this question is the motivation of it. So a minute ago, we passed that offering plate where people put money in the offering plate. And two, two, two guys sitting side by side. One guy puts in one check and the next guy puts in exactly the same check, but the motivation can be completely different. One donor, one, one family can say, I'm putting this in so that God will notice me and love me and respond well to me. The other guy goes in, God already loves me. He already blesses my life. I'm putting it in as a response to his love. The motivations are opposite. The behavior is the same. Which is your motivation? Do you understand when you give, when you ask this question, when you change diapers in our nursery dog on it? Two people can be changing diapers and one's changing a diaper and going, I hope God notices this. 
And the other person's, because I'm already the center of God's attention, I'm going to do this thing. Huge difference. Huge difference in result. The one ends in death. If I'm still trying to earn God's love, if I'm still trying to earn his attention, if I'm trying to earn his favor, then I don't understand the cross and I don't understand D-O-N-E. Done. But if I understand done, then I'm over here. I can give as a form of joy. I can change a diaper as a form of joy. I can love my wife as a form of joy. And why, how do, why do we do this? Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He did this. Now, living out this question, what does God require, uh, requires uh, several things. Uh, uh, and I want to talk about those. Number one, it's going to cost you something. Nobody asks this question and lives it out without a cost. It may cost you, uh, it may cost you money or comfort or effort or time. You might have to get up early. You might have to stay up late. But asking the question and answering what does love require will cost you something. But why would you ever do it then? Because he did it first. Second thing, it sometimes will feel bad. If you're a parent, you understand this pretty well. Loving your kids sometimes feels really good, right? Here's a present. Let's stay up late. Let's do this. Sometimes loving your kid feels bad, right? Because you have to draw the line. Now, uh, Aaron and Kaya are living with us, and uh, Kaya is my granddaughter. And because she's living with us, you know, I have lots of opportunities to love her in a way that feels good. But once in a while... I have to love her in a way that doesn't feel good. Like, no, Kaya, you can't have a second dessert. No, if Erin's here, she probably says, Dave, when do you ever do this? But <laughs> I do it, I do it. Uh, as a grandpa, you know. But uh, uh, when you're going to ask the question, sometimes it feels bad. Number three, sometimes it requires humility. You see, whenever you're going to put somebody ahead of yourself, it requires humility. And sometimes the task that needs to be do, done is unseen and it's hard and it's even unpleasant. And it requires humility to do that. Number four, sometimes it shows no results. You love a coworker day after day after day, month after month, year after year, and they never respond in a way that's good. Now, we're not talking about love out of bounds. We're not talking about empowering really, really a negative behavior. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about loving, hoping that someday there will be a response, and there never is. It's okay. Because that's part of the cost of asking the question, what does love require? And the, and the fifth thing is, you say, how do I keep doing this over time? We need to be powered by God's love. God is the source of our patience, our energy, our vision that's required. What does love require? Our family has been uh, loved well over the past 12 or 14 weeks. And uh, I, I really can't help it. It's the context of my life right now. I have to talk about these things. And so I want to talk about some of the big ways and little ways that people have loved us, which then can demonstrate for all of us how we might be called to step up in big ways or little ways to love someone else. So uh, Hank uh, was his deacon in Florida when uh, Ben, Charlie, and Bailey were killed on the highway. And he first saw it on the Internet at his office. And by the way, Hank had a schedule, and he had a family, and he had things to do. But he felt this prompting, like, wow, this is something, this family that got killed. And then he went home, 
And it was the first thing he saw when he turned on his TV. And he felt a prompting. And he thought, gosh. And then he saw it somewhere else. And he said, that's enough. I've got a schedule. I've got plans. But I'm calling my pastor. And he called his pastor. And he and his pastor called our church. And they went into action to begin to love Aaron and Kaya before her family could get there. And pretty a lot of the next four days, five days, he took for us. Again, he had a schedule. He had plans. He had work to do. But love required him to take a step that he felt God calling him to. Josh Mura, I believe, was the uh, uh, on the accident on Highway 10 in Florida, June 10th. The first, uh, like, supervisor of law enforcement on the scene got heat stroke and was ambulanced off to the hospital. The second uh, person on the scene, law enforcement leader, was a guy named Josh Mira. And Josh, uh, he said it was the most tragic accident he's seen in 30 years, and God was present, both. And uh, he did something that uh, is shockingly loving. Uh, I'm, I, I, you know, I was in a fog, so some of this might not be exactly uh, a couple guys mixed up, but I think what Josh did was he went into the morgue. He said, he said to himself, I think Aaron and Kaya need to carry a part of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey back to Iowa with them. So he went into the morgue himself. He went and bought some molds. He bought some very, very nice things. And he went in and he took their hands. And by the way, you got to do a lot of paperwork to be able to do this. And he made handprints of them. And then I was in the hospital room when he, with tears in his eyes, brought them in, said, I, I wanted you guys to take their handprints home. What does love require? I mean, I wouldn't think of that in a thousand years. By the way, let me just say this. Just because you got a talking person up here and a teacher... We are not, we're very clear. I'm not the most loving person in this room. I'm not up here talking because I'm the most loving. Some of you are far better at this than I am. Or Alice talked about that last week. Kurt will talk about it next week. We're here to teach, but uh, somebody changing diapers in the nursery right now might be the most loving person in the building. I don't know. Hank did a great job. Josh Mira did a great job. The nurses, by the way. Amazing nursing team that took care of Kaya. Um... You know, they get a day or two off a week, and they work long hours. And a couple of nurses came in on their day off to serve them. What does love require? Would that ever require you to go into work on your day off? Because those are big things. Kara uh, Vanderweels, my administrative partner here in the church, volunteer staff, has been my administrative partner for something like 15 years comes in three or four or five times a week and helps me for free. And when she heard what had happened, I didn't even get a chance to call her. When she heard what had happened, I called Jeff and Doug later that afternoon and said, unhook me from everything at the church for the next two months. Cancel everything I've got scheduled for the next two months. And they said, well, Kara's already doing it for you, Dave. Plus, she's washing your coffee cups and cleaning your office. (laughs) Because sometimes you don't know what to do. You just got to do something. Then Kara started thinking about us getting home on Sunday night late. And she uh, got my permission. But then she went and she put up signs on our doors. Aaron's doors, both. My doors, both. And the sign said, don't bother the Bartlett's. I mean, it was more kind than that and everything like that. But it, it said, if you want to help, thank you and take it to the church and all that. 
But basically, that's what love required. Sometimes it's a tiny thing. Like take a casserole to a neighbor who's been sick. Take a plate of cookies. Stop by the neighbor and visit with her. Uh, Be nice to the person at the drive-up window when they're having a bad day. Or if your waitress is a little bit uh, cranky, give a little bigger tip. By the way, when do people need your love the most? When they are the most unlovable. Do you ever think about that? If you only love deeply when they're lovable, that's not when they need it the most. They need love the most. Those of you who are parents get this. They need your love the most when they're like the most unlovable. It can be tiny things. Again, I've got a lot to learn in this regard. They can be undone things. Now, a story. So I always make fun of our teachers who bring their pet pictures. I mean, we have teachers who have pets and they're bringing the pets and all this. And I'm, I have not been an animal lover my whole life. I'm not known for that. So uh, my son, Ben, uh, who used to lead worship a lot here with me, would uh, express his love to me in this unusual way. Remember him saying he expressed his love to me in this unusual way. He would listen to my teaching and then he would come to Sunday dinner and we'd be sitting there eating Sunday dinner and when the time was just right he would poke me or jab me a little about some point in my teaching or some part of my deal. It would be like, well, Dad, you got the numbers wrong. Or, Dad, do you really? I mean, he would just poke and jab a little bit, and we all loved it. I looked forward to it. What's Ben going to say about today's teaching? You know, and kind of jab me a little. So now that Ben is gone, I taught at the gathering, and Joel and Jason, two sons, uh, came home, and they got the idea on Sunday afternoon We need to take Ben's place. We need to jab Dave. Now, they're not as quick as Ben was, so it took them a while to figure it out. (laughs) And then Jason comes out and goes, I got it! Our whole family sitting around. Dave, here's what Ben would say about your teaching at the gathering. You know that, and I had ad-libbed this part. You know that part where you said, uh, Charlie taught you to love the word grandpa and he taught you to be a grandpa? And then he said, and then you said, Bailey taught you to love animals. And he said, Ben would say, she better keep working on that because you got a long ways to go. Here's Aaron and Kaya's dog. Uh, the dog's name is Shadow. The dog is big, rambunctious, fun. The dog comes with Aaron and Kaya. Um, so <laughs> Aaron and Kaya have been at our house. Shadow's there. You know, I'm learning to love Shadow. I'm partway there. Uh, Shadow, a dog this size, creates a lot of poop. Bags of it. Bags of poop. So when Shadow came, it's like our yard is getting filled with little piles. What does love require? So I take my shovel and like I'm putting this in bags, you know, 14 weeks. Something interesting happened. I learned a lesson. Maybe the first time I went out, it was a chore. By the second or third time I went out, it was a joy. It was a joy. Because I'm free. I can do it or not. 
I'm going to choose to love Anna and Kaya by scooping this poop. And I'm not going to do it with resentment. I'm going to do it with absolute joy. I'm going to celebrate that this is one way I can express love to them. Do you get this? I mean, this is like an inside way of getting something. I'm going to miss shadow. Not because I'm going to miss shadow. I'm going to miss this opportunity of expressing love in this concrete way. I literally celebrate that I can go out and do this now. So what is your pile of poop? What is it God would say? You need to do this out of love. And most people would say, it's a chore. But I say to you, you're free to do it in joy. You're free to turn your head right and go, I'm going to do it every chance I get as an expression of love to do this. This is the power of freedom. This is what Galatians 5.1 says. If you've been set free, live free. We're at the water slide, the, the Cedar Falls water park over here on Main Street. Uh, three or four weeks ago on a Saturday morning, uh, there's a kind of a party where we were invited. And I'm with Kaya. It's cold. It's really cold on this Saturday morning. Kaya's in her bathing suit. She's in the water with her cousins. I've got like at least one layer of sweats and a jacket on. Uh, uh, and I've told everyone I'm not going in the water. No. You'd be crazy to go in that water. Kaya comes up to me, her little eyes shining and going, Grandpa, I want to go on a slide. Great, go on a slide. Get your cousins, your uncles, your aunts. Go on a slide. No, Grandpa, I want to go with you. I'm afraid. I took off my jacket. I took off my sweats. I had my swimsuit on. I climbed up the ladder, and I went down that slide a couple times, and I was freezing. What does love require? Sometimes discomfort. A lot of times doing things you wouldn't choose to do. And a lot of them are painful things. What does love require? You see, we're free. We're free. And he loved us first. And we get to live this way. And I would propose to you, there's not a better way to live. The Apostle Paul said, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. I'll pray. Dear God, I thank you for the privilege of first receiving your love and being a part of a faith that's spelled D-O-N-E. It's all done. Thanks that we don't have to ask you how are things between you and me. If we're a follower of Jesus... And we're following him. Things are fine between us. And then I'm free to love. Father, help this question, what does love require, stick in our minds. Help it be a part of our experience this week, please. Help us first love you and then love others with incredible joy. Amen.